Courtney. Hey, Sasha. What do you call a charcuterie board made by a Yeti? I don't know. What? Frostbites. Hey! Oh. Everybody loves meats and cheeses on Spoop Hour. comedy podcast hosted by two Halloweenies. This is Sasha. This is Courtney. Once again, I know I've said something to the effect of everybody loves meats and cheeses before and then apologized to the vegans and vegetarians and said, but also I don't care. I really do love meats and cheeses. <laughs> so I was, yeah, what I was going to say before I was like, wait, we should be recording this was <laughs> that I was like, yeah, I'm sure the Yeti would actually really enjoy charcuterie because they love hosting. Because I was just thinking about the Abominable Snowman from Monsters, Inc. Mm. And, like, when Mike and Sully Yeah, he's, up, like, super lonely. He's, like, he's so excited I, to see them. Yeah, he's like, I have snow cones! You guys! <laughs> like, here you go. He's <laughs> the like, yellow one's already, lemon, I promise. Yeah. It's, yeah, so I'm like, I think the Abominable Snowman, the Yeti, all of them would be, like happy to host because they don't get visitors very often because we don't know where they are. (laughs) Exactly. And I think also, even if you go on the like more brutal end of the spectrum for Yeti, so like the Sci-Fi Channel original movie Yeti, (laughs) because they don't have a lot of access to people to eat, they probably want to like spice it up and space out their human to eat. So they just do a little charcuterie board of people. Yeah. I was thinking that they, you know, they need to cure the meats, kind of like on Little House on the Prairie, yeah. right? They cure the meats to keep them going through the winter. Yeah, and, you know, cured meat, step one to a really quality charcuterie, so, yeah. <laughs> you know. You can find us on the internet, I'm just realizing we didn't say it. Yeah, you we, we find- haven't said that yet, yep. <laughs> you can find us on the internet at Spoop Hour on Twitter and Instagram. You can also email us at spoophour at gmail.com. You can email us if... To request a holiday card, because we have extra holiday cards. We do. Patreon supporters and people in the Potter and Family holiday card exchange, you do not need to request a card. You're already getting one. But Mm -hmm. if you're not among those people and you would like one, email spoopower at gmail.com. Be sure to include your address. I'm not a mind reader. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So did anything spooky happen to you this week? Yes. So our holiday cards arrived and... Almost all of them are adorable. We used Canva's printing service, which was new for me because they were a lot cheaper than any other printing service. Mm -hmm. And they're really nice cards for the most part. But actually, I think my mother-in-law also used Canva's printing service. They're really nice. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. for for the price point, they're a Mm -hmm. lot nicer, frankly, than I thought they would be. But we've been, I say we, I've been signing the back as Heart Spoop Hour for a personal touch and not because I forgot to put our name on our holiday card. And I really not because she forgot to put her name on no. the holiday card. What cards? kind of idiot would order fifty cards, triple check it to make sure the spoopy words on it are spelled correctly, but forget to put and the name of her s- podcast on them? <laughs> that that person sounds stupid. I'm glad I'm not them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I came across this one, and from the front, you know, classic, beautiful, lovely printed, standard, and then I flipped it over to sign it and find this eldritch printing nightmare. <laughs> Oh, no. Stay safe out there. (laughs) We'll post a picture on the Instagram, but it is a very menacing, weird ink splotch pattern. That's so funny. That spoofed me. And then my mom, who's a lovely lady, we've said it before, emailed the Spoop Hour account, subject line, really creepy doll. (laughs) Body of the email. This is the creepiest doll I have ever seen. I have access to teeth. I can make my own doll. And here's the doll. Oh, no, please, no. We'll post that on the Instagram. It is upsetting. (laughs) Please don't. I mean, please put it on the Instagram, but also, mom, please don't make it. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, mom. (laughs) Oh, 
jeez. How, how about you? Anything spooky happened to you this week? Um, just, you know, your run-of-the-mill nightmares. But, Classic. Um, but I was I texted you last night because I was like, when you talk about the Zodiac yes. killer letters, because like I, I thought, like, oh, we should talk about that anyway. But in particular, I had dinner with my parents-in-law last night, and my mother-in-law was like, did you hear about the Zodiac Killer? And I was yeah. like, I did. And she goes, you should talk about it on your podcast. <laughs> I don't think she I don't think she listens to our podcast, but she Thank knows God. that I have a podcast about weird and spooky things. And so she was like, yeah, isn't that crazy? This seems relevant. I will say, I so if you're not aware, the three code breakers from, I want to say it was the US, Australia, and Germany, I think. Yeah. They finally cracked the Zodiac code on what's called, I believe, code number 340. And it's one of the one of the braggy letters that the Zodiac killer sent to newspapers and police to taunt them. Yeah. But and this, this one is more than 51 years after mm-hmm. it was sent. And that that's very cracked it's, it. It's very exciting. That's a huge that's a huge get. You know, we translated this code. But unfortunately, it was shared to one of my true crime groups under a very misleading headline. So the Gah. person shared a post where the first line was, Zodiac Killer unveiled. And I was like, oh my God. Oh my Is it God. like the Golden State Killer where DNA has hit and we finally know exactly who no. the Zodiac is? Oh my God. And then I clicked on it and it was the code. And that was that was a real disappointing come down for me to go from, oh my God, we know who Zodiac is to, oh, the fucking uh, code. Yeah. Which like, so if it had just the, been the, the code, I would have been thrilled, but you know. Yeah, and so for more than 50 years, amateur and professional cryptographers have been trying to figure it out, including mm-hmm. people who are working for the FBI and, like, other, you know, professionals and amateurs. Mm-hmm. And this international team of three finally figured it out, and they cracked the, the encoded letter, cracked cipher, reads, I hope you're having lots of fun and trying to catch me. That wasn't me on the TV show, which brings up a point about me. I'm not afraid of the gas chamber because it'll send me to paradise all the sooner because I now have enough slaves to work for me where everyone else has nothing when they reach paradise. So they are afraid of death. I am not afraid because I know that my new life will be an easy one in paradise death. And he spells paradise with a C rather than an S. It probably contributed to it taking so long to break so this long. friggin' code because mm-hmm. it's hard to do when words are misspelled. <laughs> yeah. And so the FBI in San Francisco confirmed that, yes, this was solved. And they issued a statement saying the FBI is aware that the cipher attributed to the Zodiac Killer was recently solved by private citizens. The Zodiac Killer case remains ongoing investigation for the FBI San Francisco division and our local law enforcement partners. The Zodiac Killer terrorized multiple communities across Northern California, and even though decades have gone by, we will continue to seek justice for the victims of these brutal crimes. Due to the ongoing nature of this investigation, out of respect for the victim and their families, we will not be providing further comment at this time. I will say... What a fucking tool. Like, that's just a, right. like, on top of the murder, so he's already a garbage person. But, like, that's just, that note is just, ugh, you douche. Ugh. Yeah. Ooh, when I get um, to paradise, I'll have slaves. Fuck you. Oh, so one of the three men is actually from Virginia. Hey, yeah, that's right. I remember seeing yeah. that and being like, hey. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, so the, the American is from Virginia, which is cool. We should have him on our podcast. <laughs> Just kidding, or am I? But yeah, but there's if you're if dear codebreaker man, if you are listening and you want to come on Spoop Hour, because obviously we're your favorite podcast, email spoopower@gmail.com. Yeah. It's just it's bananas, yeah. So that was like kind of I guess the big spooky thing of the week was like yeah. it's not so much spooky. Well, oh, I went into my attic yesterday. Ooh, mistake. It's yeah, it wasn't spooky. It was just really unpleasant. I will say I'm getting ready to move, and my new place also has an attic. But in the words of the landlord, it is, quote, hard to get into. And I'm like, good, so the man who lives in it will have a hard time getting out. (laughs) 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 And then the the landlord's like, ooh, what? (laughs) There's a... I'm, I'm moving in with my fella, and my fella and yeah. I have been joking because the place we found is really cute and, like, really reasonably really priced cheap. for where it is. It means someone was murdered there. <laughs> yeah, I've been joking Just... that, like, it's obviously haunted, and that's why nobody got to it before we did is because, you know, everybody's like, oh, ghosts, no thank you. But neither of us believes in ghosts, so it's like, that's fine. We'll take yeah. it. Who cares? When it's safe, I'll come visit you, and I'll be like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> As 
I told Jack, I was like, I've got dowsing rods and we don't believe in ghosts, so let's do this thing. (laughs) (laughs) What are we talking about? Actually, no. No, What else came to the Spoop Hour email? (laughs) A listener letter in October that we missed. And we're very sorry. We're very sorry. Sometimes (laughs) things happen and I look at them and part of the issue is when emails come into the Spoop Hour inbox, I don't open them. Because mm-hmm. I want it to be a surprise when we're on the podcast, so I just star them. But then sometimes, because I don't read them, they don't stick in my head, and then I yep. forget. Yeah. So. So, <laughs> so we're going to read an email from Abby, who is very excited to share with us about her local haunted theater. Yay! Remember when we did our haunted theater episodes? Yeah, this email no, dates back to then. <laughs> so I'm very excited to revisit that. So Yay. this theater is called the Lewiston Civic Theater. It closed a few years ago due to unsafe conditions in 2016. From what I, this is Abby speaking, what I understand, part of the roof was collapsing and the structure wasn't safe to be in anymore. They actually had to block off part of the streets around it when it first happened so it wouldn't do any more damage. I put quotation marks around unsafe conditions because I thought it was due to police finding bodies in the basement. Yay! I didn't see that coming. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Basements are also a good place for bodies. Living people go in the attic and hide there forever. Dead things go in the basement. Yeah. So she linked a few articles about it so we can read more about it later. But basically there were two girls who went missing one night walking to the store from my old apartment, obviously, Ooh. when they lived there and not me. So this is, like, <laughs> way, way too close to home for her, I think. And they were last seen going into the theater after hours for some reason. I have been to that theater a few times to see Arsenic and Old Lace, as well as oh, Mary Poppins and Les Miserables. Yeah, and I've been inside the basement and green room from where, from my understanding, the supposed killer said he was sleeping the night the girls went missing. I know there are more people who went missing around the same time that are linked to him, but I don't know much about that. I never experienced any ghosts personally, but I figured you guys would still like to hear about it. And so she sent us photos as well of what the outside looks like now and then what the inside used to look like, since there might be damage in there as well. But this is... We'll uh, post those pictures on the Instagram. Very spooky. The cold case was revived in 2017. Ooh, that's recent. Yeah. And so, yeah, very, very spooky. But, yeah, definitely one to look into. Yeah. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Abby. Sorry it took us two months. We came back to it. (laughs) We came back to it. And, like, the theater looks like this big, beautiful old theater I just don't like the idea of bodies buried in the basement. <laughs> I mean, who among us likes that idea? I but do. Also, I love that idea. What was the... <laughs> ben Franklin? Did I send you those tweets about yes, Ben Franklin? so the Spoop and Hour ben account retweeted them, too. Bodies in his basement? Yeah. And, like, it's not for... It's probably not for a spoopy reason. It's because at the time, there were really strict laws about, like, cadaver operating for the purposes of, like medicinal study so like you know how now we have people part of becoming a doctor is you know learning where human organs are on an actual body like straight up our college even though it's not a med school had a cadaver lab like yeah and that's like it's totally okay now now you donate your body to science yeah yes back at the time (laughs) no it was absolutely not so ben franklin had an underground like cadaver ring where medical students would come and cut stuff up but Anyway, after his death, they dug up his basement and found a bunch of skeletons. So <laughs> that's fun. That's great. I like to think that Ben Franklin, even though he hella had gout and had to be carried around towards the end of his life, was actually a like super prolific serial killer. But you know, <laughs> wouldn't that be fun? Oh no! <laughs> I mean. Only a crazy person would want the turkey to be the national mascot. As we learned in our episode on bird folklore, he didn't want the turkey to be the American mascot. Oh, yeah. He just thought the turkey would be better than the bald eagle because he thought the bald eagle was garbage. <laughs> it's too he was like, the turkey would be better because the eagle's trash. <laughs> I'm going to go hide these bodies in my basement now. I'm going to go kill some people and bury them in the basement. I mean, have an illegal cadaver lab in the basement about it. What are we talking about this week? Trying to solve my gout by burying people in my basement. Anyway, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's a historical (laughs) precedent for sacrifices for medical reasons. So like, I'm not saying it's not possible. (laughs) Right. 
that Ben Franklin was killing people to try and cure his terrible gout. <laughs> definitely. Definitely not. <laughs> anyway, what are we really, talking about? Really, Ben Franklin is sus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's yeet Ben Franklin. <laughs> ben Franklin was ejected. <laughs> <laughs> One imposter remains. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it was Alexander Hamilton the whole time. <laughs> We are talking. You keep asking me, what are we talking about? I know, and I keep, but then we keep like, We're not talking about anything, Courtney. We're talking about Among Us. It's like Seinfeld. It's about nothing. It's about nothing. Anyway, we're talking about holiday food superstitions. Yay! It's exciting. I love food lore. Yeah. And so we'll we're talking to- about food lore. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to do a dedicated episode on general food lore. Mm-hmm. But like, for the most part today, we're going to be sticking to holiday food lore. Yeah. And With some, some of my stuff is going to be be review. We'll be rehashing of some of the stuff that we've said before, but just as a good reminder, because yeah. we're about to approach 2021, and I think we could use all the luck we can get. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah, I'm gonna eat. I'm gonna go and make a list of every lucky food to eat for New Year's, and I'm gonna eat yeah. every single goddamn one of them. Pork, let's yeah. do this. Black eyed peas, let's go. Collard uh, greens, granite, let's go. Totally. Grapes, oh, yeah. why not? Oh, I forgot let's about pop the pomegranates. Yeah, yeah. Show me in long noodles. Let's go. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Anyway, are you ready to warm up with a festive game? I am. So this game is called Looking Like a Holiday Snack. Ah. (laughs) So here's how we play Looking Like a Holiday Snack. I'm going to read to Sasha a list of ingredients, and then you are going to tell me if those ingredients are for a traditional holiday snack or meal from around the world Mm or... Or if it's the components of a non-festive, everyday, ordinary snack. Okay. Got it. So this comes courtesy of allrecipes.com, foodnetwork.com, Wikipedia, New York Times, fourthly.com, loveandlemons.com, food52.com, taste of home, Sally's Baking Addiction, and my recycling bin lol. (laughs) (laughs) I had a great time researching this game. It made me a little hungry, but I also enjoyed it. Yeah. You ready for the first one? I am. Dried fruit, brandy, breadcrumbs, suet, and fire. Am I looking like a holiday snack? You are. I am. These are key ingredients to figgy pudding, best known for being demanded in song. Mm -hmm. Honey, sesame seeds, and optional lemon peel. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. No, I am not looking like a holiday Uh, snack. Dang it. This is all you need to make pastelli, an everyday Greek confection, which I have had, and it is fucking delicious, and I would never have guessed that it's just honey and sesame seeds. It's real good. Oh, is it that little, like, like, it's like a little Yeah, the little, like, it's like a little bar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, those are good, yeah. Yeah, but not a holiday snack. You can eat those anytime. And before you write to spoophour at gmail.com with your outrage, I know that technically anything can be a holiday snack. We're going for traditional holiday snacks. Yeah, I was like, so, if anyone is in a snack it and also listens to our podcast, I feel yeah. like we're about to get a bunch of hate mail. <laughs> yeah, don't at me because you're like, well, my family actually eats pastelli on I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> like, good for you, and I'm jealous because that sounds delicious, but like, for the purposes of this game, no. <laughs> no. Next one. Flour, yeast, confectioner sugar, jelly, and oil. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Are you some kind of cookie? <laughs> yes, yeah, you're a holiday snack. I sure am. If you mix these up, you're on your way to Sufganiyot. Hanukkah donuts. Oh, Hanukkah donuts! Su- yeah, Yum. Sufganiyot, the, the Hanukkah jelly donuts. Yeah. Whole wheat flour, buttermilk, cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Am I looking like a holiday snack? No, you sound like my breakfast. <laughs> That's correct. I'm not a holiday snack, but... These are some of the ingredients you need to make homemade cinnamon toast crunch. Winner of the cereal snack. <laughs> I was right. It is my breakfast. <laughs> and also the cereal snack at winner. Yes. Yes. I had a lot of fun with this game, so Thank I kind of don't Thank care you if for it's fun. <laughs> highlighting my, our fa- uh, not just mine, our favorite cereal. <laughs> Collectively the nation's favorite cereal. Yeah. But also specifically Spoop Hour's favorite cereal. Correct. If anyone ever wanted to give us a... You know, your supply of anything. Cinnamon Toast Crunch would be a Cinnamon pretty good Cinnamon Toast guess. Crunch. And yeah. Courtney and I will divide it down the middle. We will. And then we'll eat it in like six months. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One year, please. <laughs> Yeast, oregano, flour, onion, and rosemary. Am I looking like a holiday snack? 
know, but you're looking like bread. I am looking like bread. This is a way to make an Italian snack bread that goes with pasta, but it is not mm. a holiday snack. Mm. Potatoes, yellow onion, breadcrumbs, egg, and oil. Am I looking like a holiday snack? You're sounding looking like a latka. I sure am. I'm sounding a latka like Yay. a latka. So I'm looking You're like looking a holiday a latka snack. Like a latka. <laughs> is this episode going to be called a latka I'm like a looking, latka? Maybe. I'm looking looking latka like a latka. <laughs> Say that ten times fast. Ha! No, thank you. Pistachios, oats, maple syrup, coconut flakes, and olive oil. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Oh, <laughs> that's, that sounds like baklava, but yeah, yes? No. No. I am not a holiday snack. This is how you make pistachio oat squares, which are just a regular oh. snack that I found on a blog called 42 Healthy Snacks. Okay, I was like, that kind of sounds like baklava, but I guess you can eat baklava any time of year. I always just think yes. of it as a fancy snack. Correct. <laughs> also, there is, you can make a baklava hamantashen, which is traditionally served at Purim. And originally mm. I had apricot hamantashen on this <gasps> list, but then I realized it would be misleading to say that wasn't looking like holiday snack because Purim is, in fact, a holiday. It's just holiday. not. And it is, I can't even mm. differentiate it by being like, well, it's not a winter holiday. It is. It's traditionally yeah. in, like, February, so. Right. Mm, that anyway. sounds really good. Apricot yeah. sounds good. Yes. So, go make some hamantashen or purchase some. Delicious. My, I'm going to derail the game for a second. My parents Go got it. my parents-in-law like a really nice charcuterie gift basket for Christmas, Ooh. and it came with Turkish dried apricots. And it took everything for me to like not swipe them. <laughs> I'm hoping that they'll still be there next time we visit them, so I can be like, oh, <laughs> you're very brave for giving. I would have just been like, oh no, in-laws, my parents did not get you anything for Christmas. <laughs> Sugar, flour, egg whites, yellow five lake, and confectioner's glaze. Am I looking like a holiday snack? <laughs> Are you a peep? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not a peep. Are okay. you saying I'm a holiday snack or not a holiday uh, but snack? I think you're a holiday snack. I sure am. These are some of the ingredients in Little Debbie's hashtag iconic Christmas tree cakes. If you'll oh, recall, okay. <laughs> I sourced my recycling bin because I have an empty box of Christmas That's tree cakes in there. That's what my recycling bin. I thought that was like a blog. No, I literally went into my recycling bin and pulled the box out and read some of the ingredients and wrote them down. You can also send me a lifetime supply of Little Debbie's Christmas tree cakes and I'm not going to be mad about it. Yeah. Dark brown sugar, molasses, butter, ground ginger, and flour. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. Yes, I am looking like a holiday snack. This is one way to prepare traditional gingerbread. Yeah. Brown sugar, evaporated milk, butter, flour, and eggs. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. No, no. I'm not a holiday snack. Mm. These ingredients will help you make a sugar pie, also sometimes known, I believe, as a tarte au sucre. I believe ah. it's a French-Canadian treat not associated with the holidays. Okay. Dulce de leche, bananas, butter, sugar, and heavy cream. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. Yes. <laughs> no. No. With these ingredients, you're on your way to making banafi pie, which is a popular pie mm. in the UK, but it does not have an affiliation with a holiday. Ah, uh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like, well, I just like pies. <laughs> I mean, in a way, aren't all pies holiday pies? And isn't every yeah. day you eat pie a holiday? Right. <laughs> Granulated sugar, light corn syrup, peppermint extract, and food coloring. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. I am. I'm making <laughs> candy canes. Candy canes. Also, isn't pie day a holiday? I mean, Can we not eat pies on pie day? <laughs> Look, bitch. Pie day what did is I a say? Holiday. What did I say about traditional holiday snacks? Traditional holiday snacks. What did I say? Tell, take it up with the math teachers at my school. What did I say? <laughs> you find me proof that Pie Day has been celebrated for more than like the past twenty years, and then maybe I will consider it a traditional holiday. But it has not been, and it is not. So, <laughs> okay. Starts furiously researching. <laughs> Again, don't add me. <laughs> you know what I mean for holiday snacks, you guys. I know what you mean, yeah. <laughs> Heavy cream, whole milk, 
egg yolks, and nutmeg. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Eggnog. Yes. Yes. I am having some now to celebrate eggnog's homemade snackiness. I need to get eggnog next time I go grocery shopping. Crucial. You got to nog it up this time of year. Yeah. Whole milk, sweetened condensed milk, whiskey, and sugar. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. No. No. This is a recipe for Scotland's tablet, which is sort of, it's like a fudge Mm. consistency, but it's just a candy treat. Ooh. Yeah, it it sounds really good. It's just not traditionally associated with a holiday. Sounds like a whiskey fudge. Yeah. Sausage, eggs, melted butter, milk, and flour. Am I looking like a holiday snack? You're sounding like brunch. (laughs) So no. (laughs) Correct. These are the components of Toad in the Hole, a British meal that is eaten year-round, and I put down Mm, in the the game, even though Jamie Oliver made a Christmas version like a confusing jerk, because the way I determined if any of these were traditionally associated with Christmas or the holidays is I would search item name and then the word Christmas or item name and the word holiday. Yeah. And so Mm. when I searched Toad in the Hole Christmas, up comes Jamie Stupid Oliver's like, and then you (laughs) add the cranberry sauce and you use leftover turkey to do whatever. No, Jamie Oliver. No, Jamie Oliver. That's not how the game is played. (laughs) (laughs) And the last Mm. one. Butter, confectioner sugar, flour, and walnuts. Am I looking like a holiday snack? Yes. I am looking like a holiday snack because I am making Russian tea cakes traditionally Mm. eaten in the U.S. around the holidays. And that's the game, looking like a holiday snack. Yummy. Play with your friends. really good. Mm. Also, Google all of these things because you can find recipes for all of them online and they all sound amazing. I say, now I just want to watch more Bake Off. (laughs) Yes, correct. (laughs) Trust that instinct. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to go first with some food lore, and we're going to start with Christmas. Yay! So one of the favorite things to do around the holidays is bake. I feel like that's true for a lot of people. Spoop Hour is participating with some other friends online to do a Christmas cookie exchange through the email. Not through the email, through the mail, the snail mail. (laughs) I emailed everyone cookies. Don't ask how. (laughs) I just did it. But, you know, as a half-Japanese person, Christmas cake has always been very fascinating to me because of, like, how intricate and cute Japanese Christmas cakes are. And that tradition has also spread out to, like, you know, Korea and, like, Korean bakeries and Asian bakeries in this area. So Christmas cakes are, like, a big thing. I made a Yule Log in high school for a Japanese culture club Christmas party because... Again, we were, like, eating... I think we did a Kentucky Fried Christmas party. And so we did, like, Kentucky Fried Chicken and, like, Yule Log Christmas cakes and stuff like that. And so my friend Sam made little marzipan animals to go on my Yule Log. And my Yule Log was made out of angel food cake, and I made a strawberry whipped cream to go inside. So it was basically... Just, and with chocolate frosting on the outside. It was basically just a chocolate a strawberry up, cake. Yeah, yeah, a rolled up chocolate strawberry <laughs> Yeah, so it just looks Christmassy. But yeah. Christmas cakes have been eaten traditionally on Christmas Eve since the 1800s, and this is in Europe and America. It's more recent thing in Japan and East Asia. And South Asia, too, and Southeast Asia. Like, really, just anywhere that celebrates Christmas now it just basically has this tradition of Christmas cake. Yeah. Basically, but, anywhere that Christmas and cakes exist, there are Christmas yeah, you, cakes. Yeah, you're going to get Christmas cakes. Yeah, you're going to get cute little <laughs> Christmas pastries. It's all adorable. So cutting into your Christmas cake before Christmas Eve is said to bring bad luck. And Ooh. also, additional refusing a piece of mince pudding or Christmas cake or really any like Christmas dessert on Christmas Eve is considered unlucky. So you definitely want to eat this Christmas sweet on Christmas Eve and then keep a piece of the cake or pudding or pie, whatever you're eating, to and preserve it to eat the next day on Christmas Day for more luck as well. So you basically want to spread out your desserts over two days. It's like a two-part vaccine. Yeah. You get the first part, and then you get the second part, the second part. for it to really yeah. lock in. It's also <laughs> a bad, it's bad luck to eat mince pies before Christmas Eve and also after Twelfth Night. Mince pies, Christmas cakes, all of that are really for the 12 days of Christmas or Christmas time. You ha- will have as many happy months in the coming years, in the coming year, as the number of houses you eat mince pies in during Christmas time. So if you go and visit all of your friends and everything, you go 12 different households, you'll have 12 months of good luck. Obviously, that does not bode well not- for 2021. <laughs> I was going to say, cannot do that this year, so we are all going to have bad luck 
<laughs> no. We're going to do other things to make sure we have good luck in 2021. Maybe yes. what you could do is eat mince pie or Christmas cake or Christmas sweets with tel- 12 different friends on a Zoom call. <laughs> I think that works. We yeah, here at Spoof Hour support using telecommunication systems to incorporate your Christmas magic and so into the pandemic era. You've looked into someone else's house through their mm-hmm. webcam and have, like, had interactions with them. So it's And you are like, eating pie with them. Yeah, so you're basically just having a virtual version of that without having to set foot in their household. You're obeying the letter of the Christmas law, if not the spirit of the Christmas law. Right. I'm not a Christmas uh, lawyer, but that's just my take. If, if I was. <laughs> if I were a Christmas lawyer, I would say, Your Honor, this counts. I rest my case. This would be like when Tim Allen pushed Santa Claus off the roof and there was like this whole contract, right? You would be the Christmas lawyer who like had to deal with that contract. Yes, I would deal with Tim Allen trying to like shave his Santa beard off and suing him for breach of Santa contract. That would be my my Christmas law practice coming in. (laughs) I like the spinoff where I'm just in a lawyer show, but I just practice Christmas That would be a great Lifetime movie. Not Lifetime, but like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Like kind of a comedy, right? Ooh, yeah, but it's it's called The Christmas Lawyer. (laughs) Yeah, and so it's just this Christmas lawyer looks like an elf trying to find love during the holidays, but also trying to make sure that no one's breaking Christmas law. Or is she not trying to find love? She gets the biggest case of her Christmas law career ah. and falls in love with one of the lawyers or possibly the person on the opposing team. Oh, or so it's she enemies falls in love lovers. with the person trying to break the Christmas law. Ooh, yes. And then she helps the person breaking Christmas law to believe in the spirit of Christmas. Yes. I love yes. it. Hallmark, there we go. Email spoopar at gmail.com if we have you want pitch. the rights to the Christmas lawyer. <laughs> Anyway, so, you were saying about Christmas cake. Anyway, so when you make a, when making a Christmas cake in Victorian times or even now, you should stir your cake mix three times and make a wish for a gift from Santa, a wish in general. If you are unmarried and you don't join in, then you will not find your spouse next year, and your wishes should be kept secret until they come true. So basically, everyone should be participating in the Christmas cake mixing. Obviously, you probably need to mix it more than three times to actually get everything incorporated. So unless it's, it's like always, the thinnest batter in the world, yeah, I was gonna say it's it's luck it's it's good practice also to have everyone in your household participate in making the cake. Oh. So everyone should turn stir it three times and make a wish. So that way you get get it well incorporated, right? Christmas cake baking is not a spectator sport. <laughs> right, everyone participates. <laughs> For luck, some people put silver charms into the mix, and other things that you can do into Christmas cake or mince pie or pudding, whatever you do, a sixpence, put in a sixpence coin for good luck, a thimble for prosperity, a ring for marriage, and a bachelor's button. Whatever you get in your piece of mince pie predicts your year ahead. So, like, when you start actually, like, divvying it up, whatever piece you find, kind of like the king cake, you find the little baby. Yeah. The thing that you find in your piece is what you get for next year. This sounds vaguely familiar. I feel like years ago we covered this. I think but so, But I have yeah. no recollection of it, so tell yeah. me more. <laughs> and then I think we've talked about dumb cake before, too. Let's review dumb cake. This tell is basically me. I have no recollection because made... I'm a dumb cake dummy. <laughs> this, the dumb cake is made at midnight on Christmas Eve, and it's prepared in complete silence by bachelors and spinsters in the family. <laughs> That's so the, mean. Right? And you make, so basically, you make it and you leave your initials on the upper surface of the cake, either by decoration or carving it in or powdered, whatever. And as long as the silence is remained unbroken during the baking of the dumb cakes, your future partner is believed to come and leave their initials on the cake. And also, if one walked backwards to bed after eating dumb cake, a dream about a future spouse was sure to visit them. So after you eat it, you need to go straight to bed and you need to walk backwards to bed. <laughs> it's kind of like the things you do to try and make it snow where you wear your pajamas inside out and you inside flush your ice cube down the toilet. Yeah. Yep. We're already joking about this week because it's supposed to snow on Wednesday and we're mm-hmm. like, so school's still on, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's virtual school, so. It's virtual, yes. so I guess. I had that same thought. I was like, so is it going to be a snow day at work or is it virtual? <laughs> there's, there's no such thing as snow days anymore. <laughs> 
Additionally, if you want more luck during Christmas time, eat an apple on Christmas Eve. Drink three sips of salted water before you eat your Christmas dinner, and then put fish scales under your dinner plate. And that's that's Christmas stuff. Sure, sure, <laughs> love it. I do like the idea of eating an apple on Christmas Eve. I will eat an apple. I do on too. Christmas Eve. And the three sips of I salted like water—that that's my level of like. I want to do a little magic something something, but also I'm lazy and don't want to yeah. put a lot of effort in. Yeah, three so sips of salted water. Three just. sips of salted water before you eat your Christmas dinner. Yeah. And put fish That's, scales under there. Fish scales is a little harder. You have to go get like a fish yeah, that fish hasn't scales, been. Yeah, fish scales, you gotta, you gotta have access to fish scales. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's that's Christmas stuff. Tell me about the Christmas pickle. All right. So this comes courtesy of Wikipedia USA Today, whychristmas.com, today.com, marthastewart.com, and Why the New Christmas. York Times. Whychristmas.com. It's a bright yellow website, <laughs> and it is very excited about Christmas. <laughs> Allegedly, and I put in my notes, don't worry, we'll get into it. Originally Allegedly. from Old World Germany is the Weihnachtsgurke, alias the Christmas Pickle. It may be the Weihnachtsgurke. I don't know. I don't speak German. Ich habe yeah, and gherkin. Yeah. Gurka, <laughs> That's all I got. Gherkin. Mm. And like, wo bleib the Käse and bleib die Wurst. Where, where are the cheese and where is this? It's part of a song that German children sing. It's not important. It's not Christmas. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Families who partake in this tradition will hide either a real or ornamental pickle on their Christmas tree, often adding the gherkin late in the night on Christmas Eve. Customarily, mm. The child who finds the pickle first on Christmas morning gets an extra present or will experience an extra dose of luck and good fortune in the new year. So you want to be the person who finds the pickle. This tradition was allegedly imported to America by way of German immigrants in the 1800s and adopted throughout the Midwest as a festive way to blend cultures. Because what does America mm. love more than festive blending of cultures? Yeah, we you love smushing together cultures in a fun way. In a fun way. Except... Maybe the Christmas pickle wasn't an old world Germany tradition. Oh. Another legend behind it is that it dates back to the Civil War when Bavarian-born private John C. Lower enlisted in the 103rd Pennsylvania Infantry, but he was captured by Confederates and imprisoned in April 1864. On Christmas Eve that same year, John was starving to death in prison and begged the guards to give him something to eat, particularly... A pickle, in acknowledgement of his Bavarian roots for a traditional Christmas treat. The guard took pity on John and gave him a pickle, which gave John the emotional strength to carry on and survive his period in captivity. Once he finally returned home, he and his family would hide a pickle on their Christmas tree in acknowledgement of the role it played in keeping John alive. Hmm. Except this is maybe also not true. Yeah, I was gonna say... <laughs> That's, that's a nice story, but... Oh, do you want a less nice story? Maybe one that involves cannibalism? Sure. Great, because guess what you're getting? A less nice story that maybe involves cannibalism. Oh. Because the story about John Lower, probs not true. Instead, maybe the Christmas pickle was linked to a medieval tale of two Spanish boys traveling home from boarding school for the holidays. The boys stopped at an inn on their journey home, where the evil innkeeper trapped them in a pickle barrel, and maybe yeah. even killed them because he was a cannibal and wanted to eat them later, depending on which version of the legend you hear. I was say, this sounds like that weird pickle murder story that we heard on that ghost tour. I was thinking about that, where there was, like, the glass eyeball in the pickles. Yeah. Yep, basically. The boys were miraculously saved, or again, because they were maybe murdered, they were maybe brought back to life, by none other than St. Nicholas. No info on how St. Nicholas found them, no info on how he knew to look for them in there. I guess this ties into the, he sees you when you're sleeping, he knows when you're awake. Yeah. He knows, he knows when, when you're in danger. Into, yeah, he knows when you've been put into a pickle barrel by a cannibalistic innkeeper. <laughs> so be good for goodness sake. Anyway. So, once St. Nicholas saved the boys, they were able to get home in time for Christmas dinner. And then I guess the boys came to associate pickles with Christmas because of this super dramatic incident. And so the Christmas pickle became a thing. Okay. I, I don't guess. know. Nobody, nobody finishes it. They're just like, St. Nick saved some kids from a pickle barrel around Christmas. And I'm like, okay, but then why are we, why are we celebrating that they were in a pickle barrel? That seems like the bad part of the story. That, yeah, I was like, that doesn't seem like something to celebrate. That seems like something I'm really worried about now for yeah, the safety of those children. Yeah, maybe don't celebrate the 
pickle barrel part. Maybe just celebrate the St. Nick part. Right. This legend has its roots in an even more brutal tale of a cannibalistic butcher who killed a group of boys, stuffed them in meat barrels, and then St. Nicholas happened upon them and restored their life. But this Uh, is way less cute, so you can see why maybe modern versions turned it into a pickle barrel. Yeah. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) It wouldn't be spoop hour if there wasn't cannibalism, let's be real. (laughs) I guess it wouldn't be, like, any kind of holiday without, like, fucking danger. (laughs) (laughs) This is also the version of the story that is favored in Berrien Springs, Michigan, which calls itself the Christmas Pickle Capital of the World, and (laughs) even held a pickle parade every December from 1992 to 2003. Okay, Michigander friends. Yeah, tell me, have you been to the pickle parade? And if so, how was it? Do they throw pickles at you? Like, Like parade float style, just chucking pickles into the crowd. My grandparents' town had the potato festival. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I went to a mushroom festival in Pennsylvania once. Ooh. It was very exciting. There were a yeah. lot of mushroom things. <laughs> had a really good mushroom mac and cheese. Mmm. Top tier. Mm. Anyway, if you're worried, this cannibal tale, probably also not true. And I put in my notes, <laughs> I know, so shocking that the cannibal thing maybe didn't happen. <laughs> right? So shocking. I know we're all stunned that maybe St. Nicholas didn't bring some random kids back to life after they were put in a fucking pickle barrel. Wow, I had no idea. (laughs) So the most likely true story behind the Christmas pickle dates back to the 1880s when the German tradition of glass ornaments for Christmas trees made its way to America. Mm. Woolworth sold these ornaments, which were often in the shape of fruits... And vegetables. Uh. There is speculation that one Woolworth's overstocked pickle ornaments in particular, and thus the quote unquote old world German tradition of hiding a pickle in the Christmas tree was so born. To it was marketing. Excess, yeah, it was maybe to move excess pickles. Like, shit, we were supposed to order five pickles and you ordered 500. What the fuck are we going to do with all these glass pickles? I know, right. let's say it's a Christmas tradition. Yeah. The sad end Kinda of like this. Kind of like up on the shelf. Yes, exactly. Like, that's clearly a nightmare that nobody actually wanted, but they were like, well, I guess we're doing it now. Yep. It's that, but with pickles. The the sad conclusion of this story, which again is probably the true one, is that a survey conducted in November 2016 found that 91% of Germans polled had never heard of the Weihnachtsgurke, or Christmas pickle. They were like... (laughs) What German tradition? I don't know about? her. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know her. I've never had a Christmas pickle in my goddamn life. Silke so Maria Weineck, a professor of German studies and comparative literature at the University of Michigan, explains further based on her German upbringing, because she was born and raised in Germany and then came right. to America. Quote, German Christmas traditions are pretty solemn, but it could have been one immigrant family's tradition. I could also imagine that we were originally dealing with an actual pickle prepared for the holidays. Americans are notoriously quick to claim something is, quote, a tradition. And I put down in my notes, damn, Silke Maria. Right? (laughs) She's not wrong. She's not wrong, but also, yikes. Yikes. A different theory comes from a German glass artisan named Dieter Dressler, who posits that people in the Spreewald region of Germany customarily grew cucumbers and pickled them. And there may have been a particularly bleak holiday season where a group of farmers was too poor to get anything else to hang on their trees. So they put pickles on it instead and then carried that idea when they immigrated to America. I see. Regardless of the correct origin story, glass-blown Christmas pickle ornaments remained very popular, with one glass center in Germany making 50,000 pickle ornaments a year because they are a bestseller behind only Santa Claus and colored glass balls. Wow. Right? And that's the Christmas pickle. Thank you for sharing a very objective and non-judgmental history of the Christmas pickle. As I told you, someone I... who loves pickles and is talking to someone who hates pickles, I, I just applaud your journalistic integrity here. Thank you. I, I just want to tell the story as it exists and hold my own implicit biases to myself about whether or not pickles are trash. I also love a whimsical story about hiding shit in Christmas trees and also yeah. cannibalism. So and, Yeah. And I love pickles, so, you know. (laughs) It works out. (laughs) It works out. That was a good story. It works out. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I'm going to talk a little bit about New Year's. This is going to be a little bit of review from last year again. 
once again asking you to eat all of these good luck foods because we need the luck in 2021. Um, and I forgot to say what my sources were earlier. It's myrecipes.com, worldofchristmas.net, theholidayspot, marthastewart.com, delish.com, mentalfloss.com, justonecookbook.com, wikipedia.org, give them your money, cameliabrand.com, bushbeans.com, nourishingdeath.wordpress.com, justhungry.com, atlasobscura.com, and wideopeneats.com. I like that you had you like snuck Bush's beans in there. Like I wasn't gonna comment on Bush's beans being one of your sources. Well, so I was wondering if you weren't gonna say anything about nourishingdeath.wordpress. No, I figured that was about on brand for us in terms of spoop hour sources. It Bush was the Bush's beans. baked beans that did it. Yeah. <laughs> Bush's baked beans sponsor my farts. <laughs> they sure did last week. We ate kibasa and baked beans. And some really good cauliflower and broccoli uh, gratin from Trader Joe's. It was My very God, good. literally everything you listed is a recipe for stink. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I have not stopped farting all weekend. Jeez. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm very lucky that my husband loves me and does not mind me just polluting the air. Are you sure he air. still does? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So for New Year's, in basically most cultures, food prepared for New Year's Day are said to bring good luck. And every culture has variations, but a lot of the recurring themes are beans, which resemble coins or closed circles, signifying the end of one year and prosperity in the next. Greens, which represent wealth. And then pork products, because pigs root forward as they eat, which symbolizes a positive direction in the upcoming year. Obviously, pork doesn't apply for our friends who can only eat halal and kosher, but... We'll eat pork for you. Is, yeah, we'll eat pork for you, but also the idea is you want to eat meats that go forward as they eat. And I'll talk about what that means later. Yeah. So we're going to talk a lot about beans, speaking of the musical fruit. <laughs> <laughs> the more you eat, the more you Christmas too. <laughs> the more you Christmas too. So eat black eyed peas on Christmas, uh, sorry, on New Year's Day for good luck. Collard greens and pork also go well with black eyed peas. If you go to cameliabrand.com, they have a list of very delicious like variations on recipes featuring all three, which were inspired by basically the most enduring contributions to modern New Year's Day fare by the black community in the American South. So a lot of the really dope recipes that we get featuring black eyed peas greens and pork are going to be, especially in America, are widely inspired by um, black home cooking. Nice. Argentinians also prepare themselves for New Year's by eating beans for good luck. Whether they eat them on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, Argentinians believe that the beans will bring them luck and security in their jobs. And it's also a very cheap and deliciously easy way to gain a sense of job security and peace of mind for the year to come. Basically, all around the world, beans are really cheap, so it's like a really good way to like eat your prosperity. Hmm. In Japan, we've talked about this before, but kuromame, which means black bean, is often served on New Year's Day as part of osechi ryori, or like the traditional New Year's meal. And the shiny black beans make a beautiful contrast to the red lacquer uh, jubako container, which holds a bunch of different colorful traditional meals. And kuromame is good for your health for the new year. And even more beans! <laughs> if Chocolate you full of beans. look up... Just chock full of beans. If you ever just Google recipes for 13 bean good luck soup and three bean good luck salad, those are very auspicious bean meals in America. So just eat all the beans and you'll be very lucky. It, moving away from beans, we're talking about other foods. Kuri kinton, or candy chestnut with sweet potatoes, uh, will bring you good luck and prosperity. Kuri kinton literally literally means chestnut gold mash, which symbolizes economic fortune and wealth. It's good to use Asian sweet potatoes, which are bright yellow in color, because yellow is an auspicious color for the new year. Um, in China and Japan, long noodles symbolize long life and luck, so don't cut your noodles before eating them. Just slurp them up in one go, and then chew them so you don't choke. <laughs> Speaking of choking hazards, mochi! Mo rice cakes Yay. are uh, a very common traditional Japanese New Year's decoration and New Year's food item. Um, and kagami mochi in particular, or mirror rice cake, is a New Year's decoration that consists of two round mochi rice cakes stacked on top of each other, the smaller one on top of the larger, so it kind of looks like a two-tier snowman. And you put a dai-dai, or a Japanese bitter orange, on top, and then you put, uh, make sure it ha still has its leaf attached on top. 
And then you can also put a sheet of kombu seaweed and a skewer of dried persimmons underneath the mochi for additional luck. And it stands on it sits on a stand called a sampo and ha- sits over a sheet called shi- uh, shihobeni, which is supposed to basically ward off fires from the house oh. and, like, bad luck. That's handy. There's also sheets of paper called gohei, which are folded into lightning shapes, kind of like what you'd see on, like, a sumo wrestler's belt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's very decorative, and it, sometimes you put, like, pine needles with it and pine trees. It's It's a very ornate-looking pile of mochi. But basically, the two mochi discs are variously said to symbolize the going and coming years, or the human heart, yin and yang, moon and sun, basically just symbolizing two sides of the same whole. And then the dai-dai, which means generations, is said to symbolize the continuation of a family from generation to generation. So people put these around their house, kitchen, in their living room, in their little special area. They put, like, you know, family heirlooms and stuff like that. A spoop hour oldie but goodie, and we've m- mentioned this earlier, eat grapes. Eat a Yay. dozen grapes, uh, one by one at the stroke of midnight to symbolize each month of the year. If the grape is sweet, that particular month is going to be a good one. If it's sour, it might be a bad month. So try your best to get some nice ripe grapes. <laughs> See, we did that last year on spoop hour, and I remember my grapes were sweet, so... I don't know what the fuck 2020 did to my good yeah. luck from my grapes. I was going to say, like, I went to a Lunar New Year's celebration with Okinawa Kai back in January, and I ate all of the auspicious foods, and we still ended up having a shit year. Although, some nice things happened throughout the year, but on the whole, like, I did my part. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I ate all like, the lucky what foods. what the hell, 2020? We tried. <laughs> Go on. Things to, le- to avoid on New Year's. To preserve your chance of good luck. Don't eat chicken because birds scratch backwards, which implies dwelling in the past or needing to scrape by, so no chicken. Don't eat chicken wings either because that will let your luck fly away. Oh. In Chinese tradition, white symbolizes death, so don't Mm -hmm. eat white foods, but... It also symbolizes death in Japan, but we eat mochi for good luck, so I don't know. I was going to say, yeah. How do you... (laughs) Yeah. Do you you have to do, like, a a flavored mochi? Like, you do, like, a green tea or a... No, usually it's just like the white square mochi that we put in our soup. Maybe that's that's why there was the problem last year. Maybe you need to eat a different color of mochi this year. But see, like, that's always been it in Japan. So the Chinese and Japanese traditions sort of contradict each other. So if you also want to eat mochi, but you don't want to eat white foods on New Year's, try a different color of mochi. (laughs) I was also just thinking, like, the noodles that we eat in Japan are white. Those are also white, yeah. Yeah. But also in China, they eat noodles, so I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah, they're white noodles. <laughs> yeah. Shomian. Yeah. Huh. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe that's why 2020 got fucked up, is because everything that's good luck is also secretly bad luck. Bad luck, yeah. <laughs> uh, lobsters will swim backwards, which portends setbacks, so don't eat lobster either. Sure. And then okay. also parsley. So no. avoid parsley on the holidays. You got it, and then pal. <laughs> one thing to do is to leave a bite on your plate, so don't finish eating everything, just leave a little bit behind to wish for a plentiful year. Okay. Yeah, so basically wish for having too much on your plate. Oh. Yeah, by Maybe leaving a little bit behind. Maybe the universe got confused with the people who did that last year, and they were like, oh, you want too much on your plate? How no, about... like, in a good way, in a good way! <laughs> I want to have plentiful things, like plentiful riches and plentiful friendships and plentiful health and family and not not nope. the bad things. Don't give us a plenty of bad things. <sighs> anyway, so that's anyway. New Year's. All right. Well, are you ready to hop over from New Year's to Hanukkah food traditions and folklore? Yes! And yeah. currently, happy Hanukkah to all of our Jewish listeners. Yes, and happy Hanukkah. And, yeah. I hope you're eating all of the tasty Hanukkah foods that we're going to get into here in a minute and pat yourself on the back for doing all these folklore things. Looking, looking latka like a latka. Looking (laughs) latka like a, you're looking latka like a snack. Mm. Listeners celebrating Hanukkah. All right. So this comes courtesy of the spruceeats.com, time.com, chowhound.com, bon appetit, wikipedia.org, pbs.org, and forward.com. Ooh. As most people know, Hanukkah is a festival of lights commemorating a miracle about lamp oil. During the rededication of the Holy Temple of Jerusalem, a night's supply of lamp oil provided light for eight nights. Miracle! 
Given the critical role of lamp oil in this holiday, it's no surprise that in modern times, many of the foods traditionally served during Hanukkah place oil front and center to symbolize the miracle oil that lasted eight days. Here's where I might be an idiot. I learned this because when my meetup group did holiday trivia, I did a round of Hanukkah trivia. And I learned that a lot of Hanukkah foods, the reason why they're fried is because oil is so important to the holiday. And it makes so much sense, but I just never connected those dots. I was just like, fried foods are yummy. Let's do this. Fried foods are yummy, but that makes sense. That makes makes the importance of the oil. (laughs) So it was one of those, (laughs) I was today years old when those dots connected. Right? Among these delicious fried foods are lukamathis, which is a sort of Greek donut made of fried dough and covered in sweet syrup, cinnamon, and walnuts. Lukamathis were representative of the cakes eaten by the Maccabees, who were the rebel Jewish warriors who helped claim control over Judea and whose revolt partially inspired Hanukkah. Like, modern Hanukkah has kind of smushed together a couple bits of, like, lore and religious practice, but... yeah. One of the original origins is the Maccabee revolts to reclaim Judea. Also representing these historical cakes eaten by these warriors are sufganiyot, which are fried jelly donuts, which came up in the game. Super tasty. If you are in and around D.C., I know every year District Donuts does a sufganiyot donut, and Mm -hmm. it is fucking delicious Mm -hmm. like everything else they do. Mm -hmm. And you also have zelebi, which are another kind of like fried cakey thing. Mm. Pancakes, not latkes, but pancakes. We'll get to latkes in a second. Mm. Pancakes were served to remind celebrants of the food the Maccabees would throw together before battle. And pancakes are also served as part of Purim, which is a more important holiday in the Jewish tradition than Hanukkah. Because traditionally, Hanukkah is not a big holiday, but particularly in America, it's kind of sprung up to be this much bigger deal than Purim. And like Hanukkah is so much more well-known than Purim among Mm -hmm. non-Jewish circles. And it's because Hanukkah happens around the same time as Christmas. So it kind of, you know, some of the Christmas enthusiasm and excitement rubbed off on Hanukkah. So now Hanukkah is its own big entity. Now let's talk about latkes. Latkes. As we all know, latkes are now potato pancakes, and they are one of the most iconic and recognizable Hanukkah foods. Originally, latkes were made of cereal grains like buckwheat or rye, root vegetables like turnips or carrots, or sometimes even cheese. And I put in my notes, grabby hands, grabby hands, grabby hands, because oh my god, a cheese latke sounds incredible. And I found a recipe for it, and I may or may not be making it next time I go to the grocery store, because mm. holy shit. Cheese latka. Cheese latka. Mm. Also, to honor the oil at the center of the holiday, latkes are traditionally fried, though depending on the region, historically they may not have been fried in oil. Instead, if olive oil or other oils were expensive or difficult to come by, rich cuts of meat like brisket or goose were cooked for Hanukkah dinner, and then that leftover fat that cooked off was used to fry the latkes and the other traditional Hanukkah foods. So that's where brisket comes in as well. It's, it's so you get the fat to replace the oil in case you don't have access to a lot of oil. Yeah. Latkes didn't start being made of potatoes until the mid-1800s, mostly because potatoes weren't that common in Eastern Europe until widespread crop failures in Poland and Ukraine in the late 1830s prompted the planting of potatoes. So basically, everything else failed, so they're like, yeah, we can plant potatoes. And then they had a bunch of potatoes, so they're like, let's make latkes. Oh. And the folklore origin of latkes is super interesting. I 100% loved this story and 100% did not know it because I'm a big old dummy. Dating back to the Middle Ages and the Book of Judith, Judith was a beautiful Jewish widow in a village threatened by the invading Assyrian army. But Judith was smart and crafted a plan to try and halt the invasion. With a consult from her local cheesemonger, Judith put together a basket of cheeses and wine, then sought out Holofernes. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Holofernes? Don't know. He's the general of the Assyrian army. He's also only a man, so the promise of feta, booze, and a hot AF widow, he was like, yeah, I I could hang out tonight. Like, come on in, buddy. Sure. So, he accepted Judith's company and ate and drank to excess. 
when he passed out, Judith grabbed his own sword and beheaded him. And we had no choice but to stand a queen who uses cheese and swords equally to save her village. I, we, we stand. We, we had no choice. We have no choice. Cheese and swords were equally important in this plan. She is the snack it hero that we need. She really is. <laughs> she, she saved the lives of others by using, using cheese. cheese and wine. And a sword. And a sword. Stabby, stabby. Stabby, stabby. She even, to show everybody what happened, she put his head in her now empty cheese basket and returned back home. So she's Amazing. like, surprise, look what I did. <laughs> Amazing. Wow. Her fellow villagers were so inspired by her bravery that they rallied their courage and toppled the Assyrian army. That's amazing. So here's a quick note about this baller story. I mentioned earlier that Hanukkah is kind of a mishmash of Jewish tradition. This is not considered to be part of the official Jewish canon for Hanukkah. Uh Uh-huh. Or Jewish can- official Jewish religious canon in general. But in the Middle Ages, Judith's successful underdog plan became conflated with the Maccabee Revolt, which was another inspiring tale of a successful underdog. So they kind of got uh, smushed together. And so the two combined to create this mythic origin to Hanukkah. Uh-huh. Also credited to the tale of Judith is the popularity of certain dairy foods as part of Hanukkah tradition. If you'll remember, latkes originated as sometimes being fried cheese because of the cheese that Judith served. Right. You know, conk out that general. Yeah. And latkes are not the only salty, cheesy goodness associated with the holiday. Cheese blintzes, sweet ricotta pancakes Mm. called cassola, and cottage cheese kugel are sometimes eaten to honor Judith's Ah. contribution to Hanukkah. Oh. I know. I was like, God damn! I want to eat all of these things, oh and I was really God. sad. I didn't have any kind of fried cheese. I wonder if Wegmans has Hanukkah foods out right now. Who oh, maybe like, that I can pre-made Hanukkah foods that I can go pick up? <laughs> that would be amazing. I'm like, Wait, I, will I know say, that Giant has latkes sometimes during the holidays. The like blog I found latkes. on PBS was a food blogger talking about the Judas story and included a recipe for the cheese latkes. And it was mm. like ricotta cheese, flour. It was super basic. It was just the yeah. ricotta cheese that I don't have. Mm-hmm. But like super basic fried cheesy pancake. And it's apparently super fluffy and amazing. Mm. And cheesy. <sighs> and cheesy. Oh. God. Anyway. Well done, Jewish tradition. Like, my God, yeah. this food is amazing. A plus. So moving away from cheese, which I know is sad because all we want to do is talk about cheese all the time. You also have chocolate gilt, which are foil wrapped candy coins often given to children during Hanukkah. Mm. Chocolate coins. The lore behind them, like a lot of holiday lore, is kind of muddled. They may have originated as part of an 18th century Eastern European tradition where rabbis would travel from village to village during Hanukkah, giving Hebrew lessons in exchange for tokens of appreciation like whiskey, grain, honey, or vegetables. Or coins. They may also have evolved from a Jewish tradition in Yemen where mothers would give each of their children a small coin for each day of Hanukkah so that the children could buy sugar powder and red food coloring to make their own non-alcoholic, kid-friendly Hanukkah wine. Ah. Also muddling the background is that giving children money was more closely associated with Purim and not uh-huh. Hanukkah. This tradition evolved into chocolate coins to incorporate the coin piece and also the sugar piece of the kid-friendly Hanukkah wine. Uh-huh. Gelt is often used as part of the dreidel game in modern times. So, like, if you're, if you're spinning dreidel, the, the pot that you're, like, putting in for the game is often played with gelt. Mm. This may be the result of a fun, kid-friendly way to bet, because what kid doesn't want to win a bunch of candy? Right. Or it could be because medieval Jewish society was very concerned about how widespread gambling had become and sought to replace it with a similar custom without monetary consequences. So you're still betting, but you're not, like, gambling away the farm. (sighs) But most historians think that guilt is just the result of some American infiltration of customs. Candy was a huge part of Christmas tradition, after all. So yeah. why not smash that together with the Hanukkah tradition and create chocolate coins? Oh. <laughs> right? Yeah. It, again, it, every time I read this, I'm like, oh, this makes so much sense. I just never, you know, put it together. Right. So those are, that's some of the lore behind Hanukkah foods. Ooh. I, I dug love it. the holidays. I do, too. I haven't listened to much Christmas music this year, mostly because, like, I don't have a commute anymore, so there's no reason to, like, really listen. But the other day, 
I was driving, went to go see my parents to mm-hmm. drop off some Christmas presents, and and they like to see Yuna every week. Yeah. They're like, bring 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 our dog, bring bring <laughs> bring bring our granddogger, and I like decided to actually put on Charlie Brown Christmas album, classic, to to try to make it feel a little bit. But at the same mm-hmm. time, it was also like. 65 degrees yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't feel like Doesn't feel winter. And we've been in our house all day, all year that, like, I never know what the weather is outside unless I let the dog out. And I'm like, yeah. oh, it's cold or oh, it's warm. I, I like at least, like, talking about Christmas and Christmas lore and Hanukkah lore and all of that. Because yeah. at least it makes it feel like, okay, tis the season. Doesn't yeah. feel like the season, but it is. <laughs> Get festive in this bitch. Yeah. Like, Make all no the foods. time limit on the holidays this year. No, there really isn't. Like, if you want to celebrate Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever, well into January, go for it. Yeah. Who cares? This, last winter, I kept my Christmas lights up until March because it. I just... Actually, I kept them up until April, I think. Well, they were up on our house until October, but they stayed on until April uh, because <laughs> because it, we went into lockdown and it was shitty. Yeah, and it's like, I'm sad. I'm going to put up Christmas lights. There's There's a house on our block that put up their Christmas lights like a month ago, and it was amazing. Yeah, I'm going to keep... Uh, Courtney's bringing me more Christmas lights, and I I'm going to keep my Christmas lights up, probably, hopefully through the end of February this year, just to, like, keep things festive and light and bright, yeah. because it's dark outside. It gets dar- it's dark It's dark now that we're recording. It's 420, yeah. and the sun is, um, going the sun down. is gone, yeah. <laughs> Over, like, in my neighborhood, so... Yeah, we are, we are approaching sundown here, and it is 420 in the afternoon. Blaze it. Yeah. So, so, you know, you've got to do things that make you happy. And if cooking <laughs> fried everything and getting inspired by the Hanukkah traditions mm-hmm. is that thing for you, make all the fried foods. Wish like all Judith, your friends. put together a salty cheese and wine basket, only yeah. maybe instead of going out and killing a general, you can also just have it yourself. Yeah. Wish your wish your Jewish friends a happy Hanukkah, you know. Yes. Wish, happy wish your Hanukkah Christmas celebrating Hour. friends a Merry Christmas. Eat all the I good think... New Year's foods. <laughs> I think our spoop hour holiday tradition this year is just seize all the festivity you can and cling to it. You have earned it. So just grab that festivity and just don't let it go. Yeah. So grab the tail and put it in your pocket. (laughs) Yay. Happy Hanukkah. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas coming up. Happy everything. Happy everything. Happy festive season. Happy putting twinkly lights up in your house and not giving a good goddamn about it. Hell yeah. Like, Celebrate it up, y'all. You've deserved it. Festive. <laughs> Granulated sugar, light corn. Nope, already read that one. That's that one. candy canes Candy again. canes. Oh my god, you're so smart. 